Good day, audience. Welcome back. So this week, we're just going to continue what we were doing last week, where we're going to dive into all the major industries that most of us will know about and be investing in. And that way, you'll know all the little minor details of things to be looking out for when you're looking at a company and be able to put that into the context of the industry that they're in. So this week, we're just going to continue on with all the non-technology-based industries. So the first one we're going to dive into are clothing, which I'm sure you're all sick of me talking about. But that's just kind of how it works with the market at times. You have to just take what's offered to you. And sometimes you'll find a whole industry has all these really cheap beaten down stocks and you've just got to go all in on that opportunity while it's there. And yeah, you guys will notice it through <laughs> through your time. So with clothing, um, their protection from competition is the brand. And what you want to be careful of here is you, you want to make sure you always stick with the strong brands, okay? Things like Nike, Adidas, Ralph Lauren, um, and you want to avoid the weak brands because a lot of the time people, especially the professionals who have no idea about, you know, the different types of brands and they don't really understand the industry and they'll go for a brand that is in anyone who knows anything about clothing is just a crap brand that no one has anything to do with, but that company might look cheap when you crunch the numbers. So you never want to buy a company purely because it's cheap. It needs to have that protection from competition. So the main thing to do with clothing is to stick with the strong brands and avoid the weak ones. So the, the pros of the clothing industry, the main benefit of investing in the clothing industry is that investors overreact when it comes to clothing companies. And that's due to their fears of a company just becoming completely meaningless in society and going all the way to bankruptcy. And so what happens here is you'll have a, a brand that is strong. You'll have one of those strong brands. They have a bad year and investors immediately fear the worst. In their heads, they have the theory and the understanding that, oh, as that clothing brands are very fickle and they come in and out of fashion with massive swings. And so as soon as a strong clothing brand has a bad year, regardless of the brand, that stock will just get absolutely smashed. And that will be a really good opportunity for us to go into that stock and buy it on the cheap because most of the time, all those worries are way overblown. So that's kind of what you're looking for. Keep your eye on, do your research on all the strong brands, which are all the ones that are on my website and wait for an opportunity where that brand has a bad year and you use your own knowledge to understand that, you know, Nike is a brand that isn't going anywhere. Under Armour isn't a brand that's going anywhere. They just had a bad year for whatever reason. And every clothing brand has had a bad year for whatever reason at some point. So that's the benefit of investing in clothing brands. Something we all understand. It's easy for us to differentiate the good ones from the bad ones. And when I say bad ones, I mean like, like a pay less shoes that's a company in America and just burned a bunch of investors because they thought, oh, that's a that's a brand, that's a company that's going to be around when it just isn't because it had no strong brand that anyone wanted anything to do with. So that's the pros of investing in clothing. Invest The professional investors overreact because they don't really understand the industry and their theories of the industry aren't really 
what happens in reality. And so that's a good opportunity for us. Now, the downside risk to the clothing industry is that it can be quite boom or bust. And so when we have a recession, those clothing is one of the first things to get smashed. And that's why I've been harping on about clothing companies for the last, well, pretty much ever since this podcast started is because in a recession, clothing stocks get absolutely smashed because investors have in their head that, oh, in a recession, the first thing people are going to do is stop buying clothes, which isn't necessarily true. And so you get these big gains as those fears subside, as you've seen over the last few months. So that's the clothing industry. Look for an overreaction from the professionals, stick to the strong brands and jump in when the opportunity comes up. The next industry we're going to talk about is alcohol. Okay, so when it comes to alcohol, and that includes beer, wine, spirits, whatever. So the protection from competition, the moat for these companies is their brand. Okay, your Smirnoffs, your Jack Daniels, etc. And the benefits of this industry is it's very stable. Okay, and, and when I say stable, I mean it's low growth. As in, you know, the amount of Jack Daniels being sold every year isn't going to jump 50% in a year or so. It's just consistent, stable, low growth. So for these companies, it's really easy to come up with your valuation and stuff. You just get the numbers, put them into the low growth formula and just wait for it to get down to that level. The other, the really good opportunity to buy alcohol stocks is usually in recessions because for some reason, every time there's a recession, everyone thinks no one's going to be buying alcohol, just like we saw with COVID. Yet every single time we're reminded that people actually drink more in a recession. And so you can see that by looking at all the gains of the alcohol companies since the bottom of COVID. The other good benefit of the spirits companies in alcohol uh, they have huge free cash flow margins. So they have one of the highest free cash flow margins in the industry of around 20, 25%. Um, beer companies have pretty small free cash. Their margins are like below 10%, so not as good. And again, the main benefit of the alcohol companies are that their brands are so strong. They've been around for so long. And I guess the only thing to be weary of when investing in alcohol is when it comes to the beer companies and this will be a personal judgment of your own is that this the beer company stocks like Asahi and the Australian beer beer brands owned by Kieran um, they're all they're, those stocks are all very cheap but you have to kind of sit down and think to yourself what the impact of all these micro breweries and micro beers are going to have on those companies and I don't really know so I've kind of avoided it but if you're looking at Asahi and you're saying Asahi is going to sell as much beer this year as it always has in the past, well, then that would be a good opportunity for you. But just remember that the rise of these microbreweries, some might say it's a structural decline that's going to actually take away from the big beer companies perpetually into the future. And then some say it's just a minor shakeup of the industry and the big beer brands will continue to thrive. I don't have the answers that's a personal call for you. That's just something to be weary of. The other issue is at the moment, the spirits companies are all absolutely ridiculously cheap. They're on free cash flow multiples of like 40, which is what Apple is at. And I would much rather be buying Apple than I would be buying 
a, a spirits company that's going to grow at 3% a year forever. So there's not a lot of opportunity in this space unless you're brave enough to go into those beer companies, but just keep an eye on them because opportunities will always pop up. And just know that, again, these alcohol companies, they're not going to be posting big chunks of growth. They're going to be low single-digit growth, steady compounding for years, and they're nice safe bets if you're more of a conservative investor. So the next industry is the media industry. This includes film, TV, and music. And so the protection from competition here is that they own the content. The music labels own the 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 they own the rights to the music of the artists they have. Disney owns the rights to all their characters, etc. And so the pros of the media industry is that they can use their content in lots of different ways. So if you look at Disney, they've turned its characters into movies, TV shows, streaming. They've got live shows like theater and ice skating stuff. <laughs> they got theme parks and it's not just Disney, even WWE, right? Has a, is a T benefits from TV, pay-per-view movies, streaming toys and live events. And so what's good about this industry is you can just create one bit of content and you can make money off it in so many different ways. The other good thing about these companies is that every time they make a new production, make a new song, make a new movie, make a new show, it actually increases the overall value of the company. So for example, a good movie is going to have big sales in the theaters um, initially in the box office, and then they're going to be able to then sell the rights to that movie to a streaming service, and that's going to make money perpetually into the future. And so over time, as the media companies make more and more content, their library of content becomes more and more valuable over time. And so that helps facilitate the big compounding over time that you want to be getting for those big gains. The other big benefit of the media industry in terms of TV and film is that the streaming wars, the streaming wars, if you haven't heard of it, is pretty much every major tech company wants their own streaming service that's hugely successful. So Apple's got it, Amazon's got it, um, Universal's got their own, you've got HBO, Netflix, and they're all really fighting quite fiercely um, for market share. They want as many customers as they can. And so the value of content has just absolutely skyrocketed because they're fighting for the best content. Like Big Bang Theory has a $1 billion five-year contract just for the rights, exclusive rights to the Big Bang Theory. And so the people who are benefiting from this, it's not the streaming servers who are spending billions of dollars on content. It's actually the people who own the content that are benefiting and so that's kind of a long-term tailwind that these companies will benefit from. The downsides to the media industry is that it can be lumpy depending on the timing of releases. And this is more the case for the smaller media companies like Lionsgate, where one big franchise like the Hunger Games can make a huge difference to their results. Whereas Disney has so many big franchises. They have Star Wars, they have Marvel, they have all their Disney characters, they have Pixar. And so because they have so many options and so many hugely successful 
franchises, they can literally design their year and they can plan the next 10 years so that they have a consistent amount of financial performance in terms of box office and streaming results, blah, blah, blah. And they can make it nice and smooth. Whereas the smaller media companies, one big franchise can make a big difference. So their results might be a little bit all over the place. So that's the only main disadvantage. And so if you're looking at a small media company like a Lionsgate, a good opportunity to buy that company would be when it doesn't really have a big, when it has a bad year, where it doesn't have any big releases. And so investors freak out and they immediately think the worst. They say, oh, this is it. It's the end of the road for them. Super dramatic. And yet a year or two later, they come out with another big franchise as they've always done throughout their history. And so yeah, when it comes to film and TV companies, ones you want to be looking at are Disney, WWE, Lionsgate, and Toei Animation, who, if you're into anime, they own Dragon Ball Z, Sailor Moon, a whole bunch of other ones. Just check it out on my website. Um, WWE and Lionsgate are probably the only two companies that are cheap out of this group. Disney was cheap maybe a month ago. I should have mentioned it. I apologize. They had a big pop the other day when they told everyone how successful their streaming service is, which was no surprise, but another opportunity will come in the future. The next industry are video games. And so their protection from competition is same as the media industry. They own the rights to their games and their franchises. And so the, the benefits of this industry are that they generate huge, they have huge free cash flow margins. And that's purely because they spend a, a lot of money to produce the game originally and then they just copy paste sell the game out there and it doesn't really cost them anything to then sell the game after they've already made it and so they can they make huge amounts of free cash flow um and the other benefit of this industry is that once you make one good franchise you can just copy and repeat it for long long periods of time like call of duty fifa grand theft auto and you can just keep milking that franchise for years and years Another big benefit helping out the video game industry is the rise of esports. And the reason that's going to benefit the video game companies is because they own the rights to the game. And so if you want to make a tournament for Call of Duty, you're going to need to be paying the owner of Call of Duty, which is Activision Blizzard, you're going to need to be paying them to be able to use their game in a tournament. And so the video game companies can just sit back, let someone else do all the work and they can just take a cut of everything that is made in the name of their game. Yet another benefit for the video game industry is the rise of gaming. Uh, we saw this before COVID that the age range of people who would be playing video games was expanding. It was getting younger. So younger people were getting into gaming and people were playing games until they were older than they historically had. And so this has only been accelerated by COVID. And unfortunately, investors realized how COVID would benefit the video gaming industry. And so pretty much all these companies are pretty ridiculously expensive. But as COVID subsides and investors rotate out of those video game companies, there will be opportunities to get into them. So just do your research and just wait. Another benefit for the video game industry is the, the increase in direct-to-consumer. So before you went to a store to buy a video game and so the store would take a cut of the 
amount you pay for the game. Whereas now being able to sell it directly onto the PlayStation store or the Xbox store, they still take a cut, but it's much less. And on top of that, people are more willing to just pay full price for the game to have it instantly through the PlayStation or Xbox store rather than before where video game companies would try and promote sales by doing discounted games or limited time offers, whatever. Whereas now people are just happy to pay full price for the convenience of it just being directly on the store. And by paying full price all the time, it just means more profits for the video game industry. The last big thing benefiting video games is in-game purchases. And so what video game companies are starting to do is instead of release game a game every single year is they're just releasing one game and they're having all these options to, you know, buy new maps or buy new characters. And doing that costs relatively little to the company, just like making a game. You just make the map and you just lock it and then you just give people access to it when they pay for it. And so this is beneficial for smaller game companies because they don't have they don't have to release a new game every single year. They can just release one game and then make a lot of in-game purchases available so that the one game stays relevant for a long period of time. And you've seen that with Grand Theft Auto where Take-Two Interactive, who own Grand Theft Auto, are saying that their last Grand Theft Auto, which was released a while ago, is still selling heaps, making heaps of money from the in-game store purchases And so it's been making money for the last six, seven years since they released the last Grand Theft Auto game. And they don't have to be releasing a new one as frequently as, you know, Activision Blizzard, who release a new Call of Duty game every year. The downside to this industry is just purely that there's not a lot of public video game companies out there. And the ones that do exist are quite mature and established. So you're not going to get huge gains here. However, if you are a gamer, there are quite a, there are a handful of small video game companies out there with games which you might know to be quite popular. Like Remedy Entertainment is a company, a Finnish company that owns Control, um, which I'm not much of a gamer, so I don't really know the ins and outs of it all. Um, but yeah, they're out there. So just go to a if you're a bit of a gamer, go to a stock market screener online at investing.com and just screen each country like the US, the UK, all the major countries, go to them and just screen for video game companies and it will tell you them all and maybe you might be able to make a lot of money on a video game that is pretty small at the moment in the eyes of investors, but you know is going to blow up into a huge, huge deal. Another thing to just note here is that When I say video game companies, these are different to the console makers. So PlayStation and Xbox, while they do benefit from the rise of video games overall, they actually sell their video, the consoles at a loss or at like break even. And they make their money from getting their cut of the purchases you make on the PlayStation store or the Xbox store. And that's kind of a different ball game like investing in the console companies. And even if you did want to invest in the console companies, you've pretty much only got Nintendo because Sony owns PlayStation and PlayStation is maybe a quarter of its overall business. And Microsoft owns Xbox and Xbox is a slither 
of Microsoft's overall business. So the only console, I guess, company, gaming console company would be Nintendo. And when you're investing in the console company, so essentially if you want to invest in Nintendo or even Sony, you want to wait for a long time or a little while after they just released a console. Because what happens is, is they release, let's say Nintendo releases a console like the Switch and their financial results are just crazy good. Um, investors get super excited. The stock absolutely crushes it as it has over the last two years since they released the Switch. But then what happens is, is as the sales of the Switch decline because they've already sold it to everyone who was interested, their financial performance deteriorates and all the investors start to freak out a bit. And then even a few more years down the track, investors start to question whether Nintendo will ever have as good a console as the last one. And the stock just falls more and more and more. And so the best time to buy a Nintendo or a Sony stock is to buy it right before they release, they announce a new console, which is probably every five to seven years. So don't be buying Nintendo stock today, please. So that's all the industries for this week. We'll dive into a bunch of other ones next week. My stocks to look at for this week are gambling themed because I know you're all pretty sick of me talking about clothing brands. So the the companies that you should be having a look at, the first is Allied Esports. They run the World Poker Tour, which, and the stock has been smashed because of COVID, but they also have an esports business, which could be very interesting. The second is Flutter Entertainment. They own Sportsbet in Australia and Paddy Power in the UK, and they own FanDuel in the US. And the US has just legalized sports betting, and all the hype in sports betting at the moment has been going to DraftKings, which is the other big player in sports betting. But really, Flutter has succeeded and dominated in the UK and Australia, and they're going to be able to replicate that in the US. And I think if they once they prove that they can copy their success in the US, they will be valued as highly as DraftKings, if not higher, and that will lead to a massive stock gain. And overall, the stock isn't that expensive anyway, even if they don't absolutely crush it. The next one is Jumbo Interactive, which owns the exclusive rights to lotteries being sold online in Australia. And currently only 25% of lotteries are sold online. So as people just naturally shift to buying everything online, Jumbo Interactive will benefit. The stock is reasonably valued and seems like a bit of a lose, a bit of a can't lose situation there. And then another one is called Neo Games, which just went public in the US. They provide the software for companies to run or for state, because in the US, the state runs lotteries. Each state runs their own lotteries. Uh, it's not a private company. And so those governments, because they've been so, they burned through so much cash with COVID and all the fiscal stimulus they've needed to give there, lotteries, which is still illegal in the US, will, as that becomes more and more legalized, states will realize the huge potential they've got and Neo Games, which currently runs the biggest lottery service and the most successful one in the state of Michigan, where it's legal at the moment, they, being the front runner, will draw the most attention from other states as it becomes legalized, and they will benefit from the long run as well. So that's it for this week. Next week, we'll go into all the other industries. I will see you then. Bye.